said, this people have I formed for myself, and they shall show forth my praise. We worship you, Father. How we're grateful for your faithfulness, for your love. Feel this place with your presence right now. Receive it, church. Just receive it right now. He's here. He's here. He's here. Feel this atmosphere, Father, with your presence.
Everyone say praise the Lord. Did you mean that? We're excited you're here. We're going to let you take your seats. We want to greet everyone that's watching uh, online today. We're getting ready to take up our offering. I hope you had a great 4th of July. How many of you shot off some fireworks? How many of you still got some fireworks to shoot off? Okay, we're going to have the ushers come. When we talk about giving, there are a couple ways to give. One is online, uh, on your phone, the app you can text to give. But I want to talk to you just a little bit about ACH. That's a way that you can sign up to give directly from your checkbook. The fees for that are very minimal. It, it's like a quarter. Uh, you know, it's great that you give the other ways, but those fees are higher. So let me encourage you to try and give by ACH if uh, you're able to do that. Let's have a word of prayer as we get ready to give today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give into the kingdom. You've promised us through your word that if we would try you, that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out to us blessing that we can't contain. Teach us, God, to put you first in everything that we do, not just in our prayer, not just in our time, but, Father, in our giving. And we give you thanks for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, while they're taking up the offering, let me make a couple of announcements. Let me remind you that today after service, we have next steps. For those of you that may be new here, want to get involved in uh, ministry here at the church, this is the way that you do that. So we'll be meeting in the chapel directly behind us. Uh, we'll give you about 10 minutes after service ends to get in there, and then we'll start that class. Also, on September the 4th, George, you're a little bit louder than I am, <laughs> okay? On September the 4th, give him a hand as he finds a seat. Come on, George. <laughs> on September the 4th, we go to Sight and Sound Theater. That's uh, to watch Samson. If you haven't signed up for that, we want you to sign up. Uh, make sure you go. You're going to love that. It's probably one of the premier uh, Broadway productions in the United States. It'll rival anything that's done in New York on Broadway. Make sure you sign up for that. Also, on September the 9th, we're going to be celebrating our 98th anniversary. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that. 98 years. And, and here's the big thing is I'm, I'm only the sixth pastor for this church in 98 years. That's a testimony to the Spirit of God. It really is. I've known churches that have that many pastors in a year. You know, so we thank God for the foundation here. And Baptism Sunday will be August the 5th. If you haven't been baptized, let me encourage you to do that. That's your next step with Christ. I've heard people say, well, I don't have to be baptized to be saved. My question is, why wouldn't you want to be? It's what Jesus did, and Jesus thought it was important enough that he's a man that with his, without sin, and yet he said, suffer it to be so, so the Scripture will be fulfilled. So let me encourage you to take that next step of baptism on August the 5th, and you can sign up for that online or in the lobby. 
Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. And let's give the praise team a big hand as they come back to sing for us.
wants us to come as we are. He doesn't say clean up before you come to me. When he pulls at that heartstrings, we come just as we are. Rick, I love what you say. He does not leave us the way he finds us. He changes us. Let's sing it together. Thank you, Jesus. Just as I am, I come. Sing it. big hand clap of praise thank you father I appreciate what God is doing and how many of you glad that he's doing it through you amen we want to pray for we've got a lot of folks on vacation this week the month of July is typically vacation month so there's a lot of folks on vacation and this is just a reminder don't forget to give online while you're on vacation <laughs> So we appreciate everybody here today. And we're going to start a new series called All of Me. Would you say that with me? All of Me. Let me ask you a question. When you proposed or when you got married, did you want just part of your spouse or did you want all of your spouse? Did you want them to love you just on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays? Or did you want a commitment for seven days a week, 365 days a year? Did you want them to care about you only when everything was going right in your life? Or did you want them to care about you even when you didn't feel like everything was going right in your life? Did you want them to nurture you when you were excited and happy or did you want them to be there even when you were depressed and lonely say it with me one more time all of me what i want you to understand today is that we serve a god that's concerned about 
all of us, not just part of us. Sometimes we got this misconception that God's just concerned about the spiritual aspect of my life. But God's concerned about every aspect of your life. And how many of you are glad for that? Amen. You know, if God isn't concerned about all of me, then he doesn't really love me, does he? But he shows his commitment to us. The Bible said in that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. So before we'd ever made a commitment to him, he made a commitment to us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. And I want you to hear what the writer's saying. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. I want you to notice that there are three things that John highlights. There are three things that the writer focuses on and he's pointing out to us. He said, I would above all things that you what? Prosper. Everybody say finances. So God's concerned about your finances. He said, I would above all things that you prosper and be in health. God's concerned about your well-being, about your health. He doesn't want you to have a runny nose your whole life. <laughs> he doesn't. How many of you ever, how many of you struggle with hay fever? You know what I'm talking about? You know, like during the uh, spring or the, the, the summer when all of a sudden, you know, the, the pollen gets in the air and, and you walk around and you feel like your head is bottled up. God wants to clear your sinuses out. God's concerned about all of you, every, every part of you. And, and then he said, I would that you prosper and be in health even as what? Even as your soul prospers. So what you understand is that the Scripture tells us that God isn't concerned about just your finances or just your health, but he's concerned about them in the same way as he's concerned about your soul. He said, I would that you prosper and be in health even as, even like your soul prospers. Now, when it says soul here prospers, let me use a term that you can relate to, and that's relationship. Because our soul is all about our relationship with God. Let me take you to another scripture to show you how this ties in. This is in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 31. It says, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other greater commandment than these. So both the spiritual and natural relationship God's concerned about. He's concerned about how well you're getting along with your spouse. He's concerned about how you're getting along with your siblings. How many of you have ever had a spat with a brother or sister? 
Some of you praise God I had one right before I got here. <laughs> How many of you have ever had a, an argument with an in-law or an outlaw? You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's all of me. So what God does is God classifies this because here's what we do as people sometimes. Sometimes we say, well, I got a good relationship with God, but I don't care about you at all. It doesn't work that way. Your relationship with God, he said he tied it to being as important as your loving one another. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Come on, say it, I love you. Now, let me ask a question. Don't raise your hand on this. Let me ask you a question. How, how many of you love someone that annoys you? <laughs> I said, don't raise your hand on this, and they couldn't resist it. I think I saw a few feet fly up in the air. Because it's like, and, and that's just the thing of life, and what you've got to understand about life is that you're, look, Life isn't about, we, we paint this picturesque scene like life is about floating on a cloud or it's about walking through a field of daisies with a bluebird on your shoulders singing zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. Life has some luggage with it. But what God is saying is, look, I'm concerned about every aspect of your life. Not just about your relationship with me. I'm concerned about your relationship with each other. Amen. But we write it off sometimes. Well, you know, I, boy, how many, do not raise your hand on this. How many of you have ever said to someone, I just can't stand that person? Now, there's a testimony to the love of God. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because sometimes we're, we're, we're very quick to express our displeasure with one another instead of learning how to pray for each other. Amen. Somebody say relationship. So he's concerned about all of us. And let me say this to you. We cannot build a right relationship with each other if we don't have a right relationship with God. I want to say it again, you cannot build a right relationship with each other if you don't have a right relationship with God. So today in our first installment of this series, All of Me, we're going to talk about ships. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, is your ship, well, I heard about two people say that. Let's try it again. Is your ship seaworthy? How many of you have ever taken a cruise? How many of you enjoy cruises? How many of you would get on a cruise ship if the captain looked like Gomer Pyle? See, if, if, if you're going to get on, before you get on a ship, you want to make sure it's built right. If you've... I've seen, how many of you have ever seen those clips, you know, on YouTube of a, a ship that got in a storm and all of a sudden you see people doing this? <laughs> and, you know, and, and all of a sudden here comes all the furniture flying across and you got the guy standing behind the bar just holding on. 
what's going on? They're, they're getting shoved back and forth, and it's not the ship. It's what's around them. Everybody say, that's life. <laughs> There's some storms that come up in life, and the question is going to be, can your ship navigate the storm? In the United Kingdom, the, the, the United Kingdom's white star lines built a ship called the Britannic. It was on its way to pick up more wounded soldiers near the Gulf of Athens on November 21st, 1916, when at 8.12 a.m., a violent explosion rocked that ship. The captain decided to try and run the Britannic aground on the nearby island of Kia. This might have been successful, but earlier the ship's nursing staff opened the portholes to air out the sick ward. So while that ship was going through the water and cutting through the water, those portholes were sucking water into that ship. Then on top of that, some of the staff or, or some of the workers on the ship without giving the order or without having an order given to them decided to lower the lifeboats and they had people in them now this ship is cutting through the water at top speed and they dropped those lifeboats into the water and when they did it sucked those lifeboats into the propellers of that ship and chewed those people up 30 minutes later the ship went down you say well what was wrong nobody knows to this day what caused the explosion some think it was a mine that might have been out in the sea someplace but it, it's noteworthy to let you know that this united kingdom, this ship line that I'm talking to you about, had built another ship earlier, and it was the most luxurious ship in the world in its day. It was called the Titanic. You might want to think twice about getting on a line that has a reputation of ships going down. I might pause before I wanted to purchase a ticket with a, a ship line that's known for its failures instead of its successes. Let me note that both these ships were built by professionals, but the ark was built by an amateur. So we need to ask the question, who's navigating our ship? Let me say this to you. Sometimes it's not about who built the ship. It's about who's driving it. Amen. So how many of you would be willing to board? Now, we, we got on a ship that was 13 stories tall I think 
it held 3,500 people. It was like a small city on water. How many of you have ever been on a ship like that? Wave, wave your hand if you've been on a ship similar to that or something like that. Now, let me ask you a question. If you found out that I was going to be driving that ship, would you still get on? Well, bless your heart. I can tell you, you're going to be sailing alone because I ain't getting on. I'm not, I'm not going to get out in the open ocean and have somebody try and pass control of that ship off to me simply because I'm smart enough to know I don't know how to navigate that ship. I, I've never been behind that wheel before, and I'm not going to jeopardize my life and the life of others trying to navigate something that I'm not equipped to navigate. Let me just insert here, who's the pilot of your ship? Who are you allowing to captain the ship of life? It's too important for me to take control of it. I'm getting into waters I've never been into before. So I've got to make sure that I'm allowing the captain to be Jesus. Everybody say, he's the captain. The ship that we're focusing on today is called relationship. Everybody say it with me. Relationship. I want you to watch this skit as we talk about relationship. Give him a hand. Did you hear what he said? I, I've got to go. I've got to get to lunch. <laughs> In the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer is Solomon. And the book of Ecclesiastes, a lot of people felt like shouldn't have shown up in Scripture. But it shouldn't have been considered as part of the, the canon of Scripture because of what he relates he talks about life being futile. He talks about their, you know, that, that, that everything's just a waste of time, that there's nothing. As a matter of fact, he, he sums up his feelings in the 8th chapter and the 15th verse when he said, Then I decided to spend my time having fun because I felt that there was nothing better in all the earth than that a man should eat, drink, and be merry. How many of you know some folks that live that way? That it's, it's just all about, where's the next party at? 
Let's, let's eat, drink, and be merry. And, and it's, 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 it's about consuming and, and just, you know, trying to fill yourself up. And, and there's nothing better, and it's all a waste of time anyway, so I'm just going to party hardy, and I'm going to make sure that I'm having a good time. The reason that they said that it made the cut is because of the last passage that's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. And this is what he says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, he's, he spent the whole time in the book of Ecclesiastes talking about, hey, there's nothing new under the sun, you know. You, you just ought to eat, drink, and be merry, you know, because, you know, everything's futile. Everything's a waste. There's, there, there, you know, you can't take it with you when you go, so why work for it while you're here? And this is how he ends it. The conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. After having said all that he said, after looking at the life through the eyes of of oppression and depression and, 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 and looking at it all and coming up with, you know, and making statements like, you know, man, what's the point? You know, it's all just a waste and we can't take anything with us. After all this, th th these words of discouragement and, and, and making the statement, just eat, drink, and be merry. You know, you just might as well just have a good time while you're here because you're going to die and after that it's over. After having said all that, then he ends with this is the conclusion of the matter. Now, this is why I think this belongs in Scripture. It's because we've all felt that way at some time in our life. We've all felt like, what's the point, man? I mean, you know, I work hard, I do this, I do that. How many of you have ever had a goose egg, a goose egg, a goose egg saved up only to find out that you had to crack the egg? You know, something goes wrong, something happens, and, and now your, your goose egg's just a bunch of scrambled eggs, and you're thinking, man, what happened to that nest egg I had? It's hatched out, and it's become a bunch of problems for me, and, and now it's gone. Think about people that put into retirement all their life, and then the stock market takes a nosedive, and now they're looking at their retirement and saying, I can't believe that everything that I worked for all those years are gone. And so we've all hit that spot before in our life where we feel overwhelmed by circumstances surrounding us. But Solomon concludes the matter by saying, look, man, the whole thing is to fear God, keep his commandments, because this is the duty of man. The scripture said that we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And so when you read Solomon's plea, when you read his words, you can tell that Solomon has forgotten that in a relationship with God, you can still enjoy your journey. Well, why, why is he writing like this? Why is, he, why is he spilling all this out? Because his focus isn't on God. How many of you have ever gone off on a tangent. You know what I mean? How many of you ever fleshed out before? You know what I'm talking about? Kind of like you're driving in traffic, somebody cuts you off, and you roll your window down to say, praise God. 
No, you, 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 you flesh out. <laughs> Sound like Charlie Brown's school teacher. <laughs> and just, you know, and, 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 and you just, and then afterwards you feel bad about it. And you go, God, forgive me until the next time. <laughs> What are you getting at? I'm getting at that we tend to have these, you, you know, that it's easy to get your focus on the wrong thing. Now, when you consider Solomon, it's easy to see how his focus could have gotten off of God. Because he's got a thousand women to focus on. Amen. Amen. A thousand women. God help him. Seven hundred wives? I've got one, and she's more than enough. Amen. She's great, man. Thank God for her. I couldn't imagine seven hundred of her walking around. I wouldn't even be able to brush my own teeth. I can't get dressed myself as it is. She's a helpmate. Seven hundred. And if that wasn't enough, he's got three hundred mistresses. Concubines, we call them mistresses today. And if you got one, that's one too many. Focus is wrong. No wonder he's saying it's all just for nothing. He's torn in so many directions. These women came from different nations. They pulled on him, wanted him to serve different gods. Anything that's vying for your attention to take you away from God is of the devil. You've got to keep your focus on God. Amen. Solomon lost something in the transition from a boy to a man because his father, he never heard his father say, it's all a waste. And he saw his father go through some rough times. He saw his dad. He knew about his dad's life and how he fled from King Saul and how his own brother Absalom tried to kill him and how he, he, he's forced from his kingdom and, and all those things. But when you read David talking about God, you go to the 42nd Psalm, and this is what David's saying, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, the living God. What's that telling you? It's telling you that everything that the kingdom offered David, it could not offer him what God alone brought him. No matter what the world offers you, no matter how high you excel in the corporate world, no matter how much stuff you gather together, there'll always be an empty spot in your heart until you find the God that he alone can fill. That's why your relationship with God has got to be a ship that's seaworthy. Don't let circumstances take you down. Don't allow, don't, don't allow the, the winds of life to capsize you. Because you're not going to get through life without storms. Amen. And you need someone behind that wheel that can navigate that storm. Amen. You need someone that can take care of it. I heard a story of a, 
little boy that was on a ship and man waves were coming up and that ship was rocking back and forth and people on deck were scurrying around women were screaming and crying and and men were beginning to fear and and they were gathering up families and in the midst of all that this little boy sat with his eyes focused looking through a porthole looking through a window and that man ran up to him and said son what's wrong with you don't you know this ship's getting ready to go down how can you just be sitting here like that and that little boy pointed through that window and he said to you see that man and the man looked in and it was it was the captain of the ship and that boy said that man's my daddy and I've seen him bring this through a lot worse than this no matter how high the wave God's bigger no matter how rough the storm he's stronger he's able to keep you he said I'll never leave you or forsake you I'll go with you to the end of the age there's not a devil in hell big enough to rip you out of the hands of God if you keep Keep your focus. Paul told those men, he told the captain of that ship, these guys, they look, they were in the middle of a storm that was getting ready to capsize them, that was getting ready to turn them over, and they were grabbing lifeboats, and they were secretly trying to get away. And Paul looked at the captain and said, unless these abide in the ship, no one's going to be saved. And that captain got a big knife, uh, went over to where those boats were, uh, and he cut those ropes uh, and turned those boats loose into the sea uh, because I'd rather stay in a ship in a storm uh, that's threatening to tear it apart uh, where Jesus is uh, than to try and float my own boat without him. All of me. He wants all of me. I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The soul may be said to prosper when we've got an appetite for God and his word. When our inward man is renewed day by day with fresh strength through communion with God and the joy of our salvation. We need God to help us navigate relationships. How many of you married in here would raise your hand and say, I need God to help me navigate marriage? It's not, look, this isn't an affront. This isn't about, oh, I can't take it. I can't. It's about wisdom. It's about knowing I don't know how to do it. It's about recognizing that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the ship, the captain taketh off but in vain. That's not a scripture. I made that up. <laughs> I'm just telling you that you've got to trust God with it. Amen. It's a lesson that Adam needed to learn. Adam has the singular honor of having been the only person in the world with God. Think about it. Nobody's there but him and God. And what's God say? God said it's not good for man to be alone. What was he saying? He's saying, my ways are above your ways. You need someone that you can relate to. 
You need someone that you can share things with that amazes you because nothing amazes him except our faith. Jesus saw the centurion's faith and he was amazed. And so he had given Adam all the rules. Everybody say all the rules. He told him what to do, what not to do. There's a reason your parents say don't touch the stove. Amen. They don't love me. Or they would let me touch the stove. Well, go ahead and touch the stove. <laughs> ah! I can't believe you let me touch the stove. Well, you said I didn't love you if I didn't let you. That ain't right. We complain when we get our way and when we don't get our way. So what God does is God just takes control. He says, look, I'm going to tell you how you can navigate this journey. I'm going to tell you how to get through the storm. And so when Eve is there with the serpent, and the serpent said, hasn't the Lord told you that you could eat every tree of the garden? And he, she said, well, every tree except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that one I'm not allowed to touch. And he said, because I'll die. And he said, thou shalt not surely die. He just added one word. You won't die. The Lord said, thou shalt surely die. He said, thou shalt not surely die. And so she goes after the apple because the devil managed her to focus on the one thing she didn't have instead of everything she did have. And where's Adam in all this? Where's Adam at? He's standing there. Read the scripture. He's there. He's standing there. You know, I've always wondered if I ate that, if it'd kill me. I don't know that that was going through his head. I'm just saying he's quiet. He doesn't say anything. He should have stepped up and been the leader. He should have stepped up and been the man that God called the husband to be. And said, wait a minute. Wait a minute, honey. God told us not to eat that, and I don't care what that devil's saying. We're not doing it. Don't be quietly standing by looking to see if you can get away with it. Don't straddle the fence. Don't try and see how much of the world you can get involved in and how much of God you can get involved in. That's going to make you miserable. My father-in-law used to tell me it's hard to serve God easy, but it's easy to serve God hard. When you make up your mind that you're going to hold on to Jesus no matter what storm you're in, you're going to be able to navigate it a lot easier. Everybody say, he's almost done. Not really. I just wanted to give you some hope. <laughs> We need God to help us navigate our relationships, Adam and Eve. What about Abraham and Lot? This is, this is, everybody say, hey, cuz. Relationship. How many of you ever go to a family reunion, there's some family there, you'd rather not come? You don't have to hold your hand up. <laughs> How many of you have a Christmas party, you know, and 
you're thinking, oh, I hope they're sick. Oh, well, not, not, not a sick unto death God, but just, just sick enough that they can't make it. You, and then there are other times, how many of you have ever hung out with folks that got you in trouble? Any of your friends have some great ideas? Let's go egg this car. When I was a small boy, about 13 years old, my friend came up with a great idea. We had water balloons. We were out at night. I wasn't supposed to be out at night, but Dad was home sleeping. So I decided I could navigate my own ship. Went out at night. There's a car coming. We're in the woods. Well, actually, not woods, weeds. We're in the weeds. And he said, when it comes by, let's throw water balloons. I got this water balloon in my hand. Car comes. I hear him yell, it's a cop. (laughs) God is my witness. Man, I hit the ground. That water balloon busted all over my chest. The cop stops, turns on the floodlight, shining in the weeds. Greg, Greg, that was my friend's name that got me in trouble. <laughs> Greg, Greg, he's going to shoot us, man. He's going to, no, let's, let's, let's crawl to the woods. No, I ain't crawling to the woods. He's going to shoot us. My dad's going to see this cop car out here with this light, and dad's going to kill me. What, what'd you do? I stood up like this. God, it's my witness. I stood up like this, man. It came out with my hands up. He didn't ask me about this big wet spot. I'd already determined I was going to tell him I sweat a lot. I come walking out. What are you boys doing? I said, well, we saw this car coming by and, 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 And Greg started with another story. There was this guy walking by our mailboxes, and I said, and the car stopped and picked him up and took off. (laughs) Trouble that I wouldn't have gotten into if I hadn't been listening to my friend. Now, that's not a, I know we can laugh about that, but I know folks that are in jail because they listen to a friend. I know some people that are in the grave because they listened to a friend. We can outrun them. Hit a tree. Hey, but there are some people you cannot take on this journey with you. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't care about them. It just means that you're not headed the same direction. Their focus is different. Abraham and Lot. Abraham's been given a promise from God and he's taken Lot with him. If you're going to inherit the promise of God, you're going to have to leave Lot behind. Let me say it to you this way. If you're going to get the promise of God, there's a Lot you're going to have to leave behind. 
And so they're constantly, man, they're constantly in a battle. And not Abraham and Lot, but they're herdsmen. Constantly in a battle going, did you ever go at family reunion, you know, and the uncles and aunts are all talking and they're having a good time drinking coffee and all the kids are fighting each other. My dad used to tell my oldest brother, his name's Daryl, if he's watching today, you know it's the truth. My dad used to tell Daryl, said, these kids can be, there were five of us in our family, five kids, and dad used to tell Daryl, all your brothers and sisters can be in a room and no problem. You're not in that room for five minutes and you've got everybody fighting. It was his gift. <laughs> he just had that way about him. And so Abraham finally realized, I can't go where God wants me to go and take all this confusion with me. So he looked at Lot and he said, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go north, I'll go south. I just want peace. When will peace with God become more important to us than popularity with our friends? Amen. The peace of God. I'm almost done. How many of you have ever, how many of you have ever gotten, how many of you have ever just messed up in relationship, you know? Made, made somebody mad, just got, you know, got crossways with someone, had a big falling out. Any of you ever have a big falling out? I know you don't want to raise your hand because you're sitting next to the person you fell out with. <laughs> Anybody ever have, you know what I'm talking about? Just, can I tell you, you do not have the patent on that. That was going on long before you ever breathed your first breath. And let me tell you, it was with some spiritual people. Everybody say spiritual. You know how we do that? Well, bless God, I'm spiritual. So you're the one that's all messed up. How many of you ever heard of a guy named the Apostle Paul? Paul and Barnabas have this young kid named Mark, young man named Mark, that they've got traveling with them on a missionary journey. There's a sorcerer that's trying to withstand the gospel, and Paul finally has had enough of it, and he turned around and he looked at that sorcerer and he said, you son of the devil, he said, you, you child of the devil, he said, you're always trying to withstand the, the work of God, and, and he, he tells me, he said, darkness is going to come upon you, you're not going to be able to see for a season, and the guy goes blind. And Mark went home. Man, that kind of freaked me out. I didn't sign up for all this stuff. How come we can't just get in the hymn book and sing in the garden? Got to pull all this contemporary stuff on me. I ain't used to that. He went home. I really believe it's because he became frightened. He'd never seen anything like that before. He leaves. Now, what I can tell you is later, they go back to Jerusalem, and Barnabas 
And Paul are getting ready to go out again, and Barnabas says, let's get Mark and take him. And Paul said, no way. And he said, come on. He said he was just a kid. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a conversation that's not written down. No, I don't know that the conversation went like this, but you don't know that it didn't. I do know that they had a conversation. So, hey, you know, I'm, no, we are not taking him with us. Well, come on, man. Give him a break. He's just a kid. Didn't you ever mess up when you were a kid? He's not going. He left us when we needed him. He's not going. I, he's not. And the Bible said that the contention between them got so bad that Paul and Barnabas split and went their separate ways. I ain't taking him with me. Well, I'm taking him with me. Well, then you just go on your own. Don't put halos over these people's head and put wings on their back and act like they never had problems. They did have problems. And when you don't let God navigate your ship, those problems multiply. Amen. So what happens? Paul leaves, man. He takes Silas and goes with him, and Barnabas takes Mark and goes with him. Well, who was right? Paul tells you that a little bit later in the epistles if you, read, if you read it close. Because Paul's in a prison, and this is what Paul says. Send Mark to me because he's profitable to me. What happened? A young man that Paul gave up on, Barnabas took under his wing, poured into him, and before Paul's life ends, he's calling for the young man that he gave up on because God had worked a work in his life. Mark's responsible for writing when the church was in a state of fear and, 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 and it needed something. Mark gave it a gospel to hold on to. You need, if, if Paul needs God to navigate relationship. We're going to need God. Everybody say, I need him. Look at everything that Paul had been through. And Paul gets this later. Paul understands that I, I've got to have him. And Paul knows this, that if you hold on to God, you can get through any storm. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Start with verse 24. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at the sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers and are not. I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry, thirsty, and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And I quit. Amen. No. That's not how he ended it. You couldn't have blamed him, huh? When you read everything that he'd been through, you'd think he would quit. But he's not about to quit. Look at what he says in Acts 20 and 24. After having been through all these things, he said, none of these things move me. Neither count my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. 
Then he tells us again in Corinthians, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ for when I am weak, then I'm strong. So when you feel like you're just about to go under, when you feel like your ship's just about to capsize, you need to raise your hands and worship God. Because there's a strong man about to come alive in you. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's how he shows himself strong in me. Would you stand with me today? Say it one more time, all of me. My finances, my health, and my relationships. Any of you ever raised children? Any of you allowed your children to live past teenage years? You know what I'm talking about. All of me. I was, I was going to get a bumper sticker printed that said, How come I didn't face all these troubles when I was 16 and I knew everything? That's just something that happens every generation. It doesn't matter. If you're not 16 wait or yet, just keep waiting. Can I give you a clue? Mom and dad felt the same way. They thought they had all the answers. This, I, I don't mean this to, to sound negative, and it's not the way I intended, but the older I get, the more I find out I don't know. <laughs> but I've got the solution. I found someone that knows everything. His name is Jesus. And so when I focus on him, he brings it all together, all my relationships, all the storms I have to navigate. He sees me through it, and he sees me through it with his promise. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? With all. Everybody say all of me. You'll seek me, you'll search, you'll seek, you'll search for me, and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. All of me. Now, this is the part I like. And he says, I will be found by you. <laughs> not by your preacher. Not by your pastor. Not by your counselor. But by you. Because contrary to what people, some people believe, you don't have to go through me to get to God. He's there with his arms wide open, waiting for you. But not just part of you, but all of you. He said, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. What did Jesus say? Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, 
and it'll be opened. I will be found by you. Did you ever play hide and seek with your kids? You know what I used to love to do? We'd shut all the lights out in the house and we'd play hide and seek. And what I, what I used to love to do was I would go and stand like up against a wall or right by a doorway and not move. I was in the open. I was right out in the open and, and they kept running by me. I didn't go in the cellar, I could have, and they would have never found me. But I wanted them to find me. I wasn't hiding with the goal in mind of you never being able to locate me. I wanted them to find me, but I wanted them to search for me, seek me. And I'll never forget, sometimes they, they would run by that place, they'd run by three or four times, and all of a sudden they'd be running by and they'd go, ah! when did you, when did you come here? I've been here all the time. I came by here three or four times. I know I counted. <laughs> no, you were someplace else. I've been here all the time. Can I tell you, that's what God's saying to you today. I've been here all the time. I haven't had hid myself in a way that you couldn't find me. I just needed you to get focused. The reason you didn't see me is because you were looking at so much other stuff. The reason you didn't see me is because every time you passed by me, you were looking somewhere else. I will be found by you. What's he saying? I'm not going anywhere. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I'm God and I change not. And all you have to do is say, here I am, God, all of me. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now and do that? Here I am, God, all of me. Not part of me. I want you. I don't just want you in the church house. I want you in my house. I don't want you just in our relationship that we have with each other. I want you in the relationship I have with my wife. I want you in the relationship I have with my husband. I want you in the relationship I have with my children. God, I'm in some water I've never been through before. And there are obstacles and I'm fearful, God. But you said perfect love casteth out fear. So Jesus, I'm inviting you to be the captain of my ship. I give you all of me. Say saying this, would you take just a moment and pray that right now? Just, just say it, all of me. Just surrender it, all of me. Go ahead.
want you to do, I just really feel this strong today. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I've got a relationship that I need God to navigate for me now. I'm in some stormy water and I needed him now. I want you to come right now. You're here. I know you're here. I want you to come and stand real quick. Just move, move to the front. Just move to the front. What I, what I want you to get and what I need you to understand is that as much as you desire God, He desires you more. He wants to be involved in every aspect of your life even more than you want Him to. And so that's why sometimes it gets uncomfortable because you start feeling God dealing with you about some stuff and you're thinking, well, I didn't want you messing with that part of my life. I just need you to get this straightened out for me over here. But God's saying, no, you've got to understand, I'm a whole God for a whole man. I, 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 I come all, when God shows up, not part of him shows up, all of him shows up. He said, I'm God and I know none other. So you don't have a problem that God can't solve. You don't have a storm that God can't still. You don't have a mountain that God can't climb. But you've got to say, here I am. All of me, I surrender now. I want you to just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now and say that. God, I surrender all of me right now. Now this is what I'm going to tell you. We're going to pray in this segment. This is what I'm going to tell you. So I want you to expect it. This next week, what you're going to discover is God is getting ready to go to work in what you're asking Him for. Part of that outcome is going to make you uncomfortable. But the other part of it's going to give you peace like you haven't felt in a long time. You're going to be able to lay your head on a pillow at night and know that it's well with my soul. You're going to be able to get up in the morning even when there's a storm on the horizon and saying, I know the sun's going to shine because he's in my life. Father, I give you praise for it right now. I thank you for what you're doing to each one. God, that you're coming into their hearts and lives right now involved in that place that they're asking you. God grant it right now. Lord, fill them up. Every part of them. Every part of them in Jesus' name. Fill them. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap of praise right now. He's doing it right now. He's doing it right now. Just as I
Let him navigate your ship.